Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God, a biblical instructional program. Well, as I spoke about, or in reference to last week, the stock market uh, had a couple of highs last week, and of course everybody thought everything was okay because we got a few uh, reports in stating the fact that uh, things seem to be recovering. And Folks, there's no recovery. Uh, that is a lie and of the many uh, in reference to the situation that we have uh, as far as economics are concerned, socioeconomics, and things are getting worse in this country. If uh, you have any doubt of that, I'm going to read you some uh, information today and I hope you check on what I'm giving you today and realize that we're in a very serious situation. I know many people say, well, you know, we have people, uh, so-called tour teachers or ministers, stating that the end is near. We've had that in each generation. Well, this particular generation, ladies and gentlemen, is like no other generation that we've had probably since the days of Noah. Uh, number one, since 1945 with the destruction or the um, devastation of Hiroshima and Nagasaki back in, started in August 6, 1945 with the detonation of the atomic bomb over um, Hiroshima. And then uh, Nagasaki later on, August 6, 1945, uh, we entered a stage of being able to have the capability of destroying ourselves. And let me let me turn to a scripture here that I don't think too many people really um let me look at the common English uh translation here and then I'll because I'm starting to use that and I'm starting to like it here. And I suggest you also use it. It seems to be a pretty good uh no no biblical translation is perfect, but it is it's close. And it's uh, comparable if not even uh, more comprehensible, uh, you can actually uh, understand it more, or I was going to say comprehensible, uh, than the King James Version in, in a lot of cases. So, but anyway, Genesis chapter uh, 10. And this is going to talk about, of course, the Actually, Genesis chapter 11. I'm sorry. 
Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, all people on the earth had one language and the same words. Now, we don't all have one language, but the most popular language on the planet earth right now is English. Uh, if you don't know English, it's going to be kind of difficult if you wanted to do business in the United States or if you wanted to um, be diversified. Uh, it's definitely to your advantage to know English and other languages as well, Chinese, uh, French, and so forth. But anyway, in verse 1 of uh, Genesis chapter 11, all people on the earth had one language and the same words. And when they traveled east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, this is uh, in the area of Iraq today. Come, let us make bricks and bake them hard. They used bricks. This is in the Common English Bible version, which is going to be coming out in hard copy uh, in September. But you can actually use the Bible right now by going to uh, the CommonEnglishBible.com website. CommonEnglishBible.com. Okay, so they have the entire Bible here online for free. I don't know how long that's going to last, but hopefully it lasts uh, forever. But anyway, verse 3. Uh, they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them hard. They used bricks for stones and asphalt for mortar. They said, come, let's build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the city, and let's make a name for ourselves so that we don't be dispersed all over the earth. Again, this is the area of Iraq today. Verse 5, Then the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the humans built. And the Lord said, There is now one people, and they have all one language. This is what they have begun to do, and now all that they plan to do will be possible for them. So this is the Almighty Yahweh, or, or God, saying this. He's saying that human beings at that particular period of time had the potential to be able to do anything they want to do on a physical plane. Again, he said, this is what they have begun to do, and now all that they plan to do will be possible for them. So nothing would be impossible for them to do for them to do on a physical plane. So what did he do? He wasn't ready for mankind at that stage to develop nuclear bombs, to destroy each other and so forth, to tap as uh, Harry Truman or... Um, the president um, at that time, Mr. Truman, stated that we tapped into the power of the universe. He wasn't ready for us to tap into the power of the universe at that time. So what did he do in verse 7? Come, let's go down and mix up their language there so they won't understand each other's language. So if people can't understand each other's languages, if they can't communicate to each other, then, of course, uh, innovation and, and uh, being able to improve technology or develop technology would not have been possible. And he knew that, so that's the reason why he did that at that particular period of time. But in 1945, in 1945, that all ended. Uh, when our president at the time stated, uh, let me look him up here. Yeah, um, Harry Truman. He stated, um, and let me look up here as far as nuclear bomb and Google here. Yeah, here's the press release that he, um, here's his press release. And this is what he stated here. Let me see if I could, uh, 
Where's his press release here? Let me see if I can find it here. I don't want to do a whole study of this here. Let's see. Um, document. Let's see vocabulary, primary source. Let's see. Vocabulary, primary source, follow-up questions, issues further. All right, let me see if I can just find exactly what he stated here. Why the President Truman dropped the atomic bomb. Okay, they have it. Actually, they have it here on YouTube, what he stated here, if you want to look that up. Let's see. Truman Library. Here's the press release. I don't know why it should be up in here. here. Japanese. Anyway, in in this press release, he stated that we have uh, tapped into the power of uh, the universe here. Let me see if I can find him on YouTube here, what he said. If I can't, then I'll just, you just have to look it up for yourself. It's on uh, Google. Harry Truman. Okay, he was the 33rd president of the United States. Let me see. But that that was a pivotal event in world history, folks, when that happened. I don't think people really understand how uh, significant that was uh, when that happened. And hopefully I can find... Yeah, Harry Truman right here, he had uh, quoted, this is in uh, Wikipedia under Harry Truman, said the atomic bomb, says, we have discovered the most terrible bomb in the history of the world. It may be the fire destruction prophesied in your Euphrates Valley era after Noah and its fabulous ark. Now, that's interesting that he said that. This is what Harry Truman said about the atomic bomb. And let me see if I can find what else he said here. Um had it here somewhere. I don't know what I did with it. Let's see. Hopefully I'll I'll be able to locate it here if I can't locate it here today. Because it was a very significant statement that he made about that. Okay, um, a little background. It says, on Sunday morning, August 6, 1945, at 8.15 a.m. local time, the B-29 bomber Enola Gay dropped the uranium-fueled atomic bomb Little Boy on Hiroshima. Two days later, after Truman's broadcast warning of further attacks, yet having heard nothing further from the Japanese government, the U.S. military executed his plan to drop a second atomic bomb. On August 9th, Nagasaki was devastated, on Nagasaki, was devastated using a plutonium implosion-type atomic bomb, Fat Man, dropped by the B-29 bomber. Bhaskar. The bombs killed as many as 140,000 people in Hiroshima and 80,000 in Nagasaki by the end of 1945, with roughly half of those deaths occurring on the days of the bombings. Truman received news of the bombings while aboard the heavy cruiser USS Augusta on his way back to the U.S. after the Potsdam Conference. 
So anyway, uh, it, it that that was um, really a major event, folks, in world history. And uh, I know Generation Xers and so forth don't remember that. They weren't born in that that that. And I guess to a certain extent, baby boomers don't remember it either. They were still babies at that time. But that was a very very significant event in world history. And that entered us into what is called the nuclear age. And from that day on, we have had the capability, the foundational capability, now we definitely have the capability of blowing this earth up ten times over. All right? And when people, they're not using their brains and they're not thinking, basically, when they state that this is not the generation that... um, Jesus or Yeshua was talking about that if he did not come, no flesh would be saved alive. Uh, prior to the atomic bomb, prior to the atomic bomb uh, detonating, uh, we did not have the capability to destroy every man and woman and child and animal off this earth. But ever since 1945, we have had that capability. We have had that capability. And we need to be realistic about that, and we need to face that reality. Because um, we've been living in that type of world since ni- August 6, 1945. Then in the 1970s, uh, there was the, the Cold War between the United States and Russia. They both were com- um, stocking up uh, to a tremendous amount of um, nuclear armaments. And then there's not as many, but there's more than enough right now, presently, as I'm speaking, to blow every woman and man and child off this earth and animals. So when Christ mentioned this turn here, I'm going to try to find that quote from Truman uh, and uh, talk about it some other time. But when uh, we analyze Matthew chapter 24... You turn there, and uh, I'm going to turn in the Common English Version Bible. And you look at what he said here in Matthew chapter 24, verse uh, 21. It says, There will be great suffering such as the world has never before seen and never again see. So this is going to be suffering that's even worse than the days of Noah. Verse 22, if that time weren't shortened, nobody would be rescued. And the King James Version says, no flesh be saved alive. Uh, what do the other versions say? Let me look at it. i got various versions here that I could quote to you, but you'll get the idea of what I'm trying to tell you. The English Standard Version of the Bible says, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been uh, from the beginning of the world, no, now, nor ever shall be. I just focus on verse 22 here. If those days have not been cut short. No human being would be saved. Now that's <laughs> that's a pretty good translation. No human being would be saved. Now we didn't reach that point, folks, until 1945. I'm trying to make this as simple as I can for you to understand that we are living in the generation that he spoke about. Verse 22 in the English uh, Revised Version of the uh, Easy to Read Version of the Bible. But God has decided to make that terrible time short. If it were not made short, no one would continue living. That's, an, that's another translation, a complete Jewish Bible version. 
states this. Indeed, if the length of this time had not been limited, no one would survive. All right? Let's go to another version, contemporary English version. If God doesn't make the time shorter, no one will be left alive. Let's go to the Bible and basic English version. And if those days had not been made short, there would, there would have been no salvation for any. In other words, no one would be saved. Okay, and I think that's about, yeah, I have the new American Standard Bible version here. Um, it says, unless those days have been cut short, no life would have been saved. So you get the drift, basically. It's talking about um, that no flesh would be saved alive. No flesh would be saved alive. So that's the important thing that you have to understand about the times that we're living in. We are living in those times. Okay, I finally got it, I think, as far as his press release here. Okay. Uh, the headline of this is Atomic Bombing of Hiroshima Press Release. All right? And let me see. Yeah, let me read this here. It says, uh, the press release from President Harry S. Truman, August 6, 1945, concerning the dropping of an atomic bomb on Hiroshima, uh, Japan. And this is this is very important, folks. I want you to listen to this, because um, he stated in this that we entered a new age of mankind. All right? So it's kind of supporting what I just told you about what, what Yeshua stated. Uh, Sixteen hours ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima and destroyed its usefulness to the en enemy. That bomb had more power than 20,000 tons of TNT. It had more than 2,000 times the blast power of the British Grand Slam, which is the largest bomb ever yet used in the history of warfare. The Japanese began the war from the air at Pearl Harbor. They have been repaid many fold, and the end is not yet. With this bomb, we have now added a new and revolutionary increase in destruction to supplement the growing power of the armed forces. In their present form, these bombs are now in production, and even more powerful forms are in development. It is an atomic bomb. It is a harnessing of the basic power of the universe. This is what Harry Truman stated. We harness the basic power of the universe. August 6, 1945, we used it. The force from which the sun draws its power and has been loosed against those who brought war to the Far East. Now, when you go back to Genesis, what God stated here about man in the days of Noah, after the flood. You go to Genesis chapter 11. And God was concerned about mankind at that time being able to do what they were doing at that time. They were building a tower to reach into heaven. All right? And he stated in verse 6, And the Lord said, There is now one people, and they, will all, and they all have one language. This is what they have begun to do, and now all that they plan to do will be possible for them. All right? At that point, if God did not go down and mix up and create all the several languages that we have today, you know, the people that are into this Hebrew name, must say God's name, Yahweh, or else curse type of scenario, don't really understand that God created all the languages. He just didn't create Hebrew. He created 
all the languages here. That's what it says here. In verse 7, come, let's go down and mix up their language. So God is responsible for Spanish, French, Italian, Russian, Chinese, Chinese rather. Uh, all the various languages in Africa, there's many of them, okay? He's responsible for all that. This is, this is, if you've got a problem with it, you go blame him because this is what he did. Verse 7, come, let's go down and mix up their language. Uh, mix up their language there so they won't understand each other's language. He did that because he didn't want them at that particular period of time to have the capability to do anything on a physical plane. He said it. He says, and now all that they plan to do will be possible for them. Why? Because they were grouping together. They were, they were one society, and they were grouping together and putting all their talents and resources to be able to do something that he didn't want to be done at that time. And he said that all they planned to do would be possible for them. And so he made it impossible for them by mixing their languages up. But let's go back to Harry Truman and what he said. Um, excuse that if you hear that noise. But anyway, um, what Harry Truman stated right here is in actuality, in actuality, uh, God allowing us to tap into the power of the universe. And if we're able to tap into the power of the universe, then nothing, that statement that he made in Genesis chapter 11, now is possible, that we it's possible for us to do anything on a, a physical plane. All right? Uh, as he stated here, Harry Truman, it is an atomic bomb. It is a harnessing of the basic power of the universe. We have harnessed the basic power of the universe through atomic bombs and hydrogen bombs. The force from which the sun draws its power has been loose against those who brought war to the east. And he says, before 1939, it was the accepted belief of scientists that it was theoretically possible to release atomic energy. But no one knew any practical method for doing it. By 1942, however, we knew that the Germans were working furiously to find a way to add atomic energy to the other engines of war, which they had hoped to enslave the world. So the Germans were already working on this power to tap into the universe but they fail and the reason why they fail because god made them fail we may be grateful to providence or god <laughs> that the germans go to v1s and the v2s late and in limited quantities and even more grateful that they did not get the atomic bomb at all because we know if they did we all be talking german okay the battle of the laboratories held faithful risk for us as well as the battles of the air land and sea and we have now won the battle of the laboratories as we have won the other battles. And we won it because God allowed us to win it. Let's not forget that. Beginning in 1940, before Pearl Harbor, scientific knowledge useful in war was pulled between the United States and Great Britain. And many priceless helps to our victories have come from that arrangement. Under that general policy, the research on the atomic bomb was, was begun with America and British scientists working together, we entered the race of discovery against the Germans. The United States had available the large number of scientists of distinction in the many needed areas of knowledge. It had the tremendous industrial and financial resources, yes, yes, that God blessed us with, necessary for the project, and they could be devoted to it without undue impairment of other vital work. So let me skip down here. It says, for these reasons, Prime Minister Churchill and President Roosevelt agreed that it was wise to carry on the project here. We now have two great plans and many lesser works devoted to the production of atomic power. 
employment during peak construction number 120. This is a way, that's the reason why a war is coming, folks, because when there's a war, employment increases. How does employment increase during a war? Because they need people to fight, and they need people to produce military armaments to win the war. So it stimulates the economy. That's where we're headed again. During the Great Depression, that's what happened. We had the, the financial problems first, and then the war. Even the Bible says that. There's famine, and then there's war mixed with famine. That's what's going to happen again. But anyway, I, I don't have to read all the rest of this here. I just wanted to see. Um, so anyway, th this was a very significant event, probably one of the most significant events in all of world history, what has happened here with the atomic bomb, because now we have accomplished since 1945 what God uh, did not want to happen back after the flood. We have the capability to do anything on the physical plane. You know, scientists right now are trying to figure out how they can produce babies without an embryo and an ovum combining. <laughs> and they probably are will probably be able to do that. They're trying to do that. Yeah. So we've we've entered that stage since 1945. That's how I know that we are living in the last generation. That's how I know. That's how I know. And then right here, he states this, but under present circumstance, it is not intended to devote to technical processes of production of all the military applications. Pending further examination of possible methods of protecting us and the rest of the world from the danger of sudden destruction. This is what your president, Harry Truman, stated back in 1945. And what did our Lord and Savior, Jesus, or Yeshua, state? Let's go again. And uh, I'm going to read this in the King James, which is pretty plain what he's saying here, and I'm going to read it in another version. Verse 21 of Matthew chapter 24. For then there shall be great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Okay? And verse 22, and this is in the New American Standard Bible Version. Unless those days have been cut short. What days? The days of the nuclear age that we live in since 1945, since August 6, 1945. All right, no, no life would have been saved. Okay, prior you heard what President Truman stated. Entered another age, and there would be sudden destruction if these new um, armaments of destruction were used in the wrong way. He states here, but under present. Circumstances not intended to divulge the technical processes of production of all the military applications, pending further examination of possible methods of protecting us and the rest of the world from the danger of sudden destruction. That's what we entered into August 6th of 1945. Now, he did have good intentions here. He said, I should recommend that the United States consider promptly the establishment of an appropriate commission to control the production and use of atomic power within the United States. I shall give further consideration and make further recommendations to the Congress as to how atomic power can become a powerful and forceful influence towards the maintenance of world peace. And I guess it has been a deterrent so far, but Bible prophecy predicts that there will be a beast that's going to rise in Daniel chapter 7 that's going to break the earth into pieces. Now, you tell me what... <laughs> What 
weapon is going to play a role in that, of course, the atomic bomb. Right here, he states here, the fact that we can release atomic energy ushers in a new era in man's understanding of nature's forces. Atomic energy may in the future supplement the power that now comes from coal, oil, and falling water. But at present, it cannot be produced on a basis to compete with them commercially. Before that comes, there must be a long period of intensive research. Okay, so he admitted that we have entered a new era in man's understanding of nature's forces, something that God prophesied about in Genesis chapter 11. He was not ready for man at that time to do that. He wasn't ready for man to be able to destroy the world on his own. And so what did he do? He mixed the languages so that we would not come up with this technology that we have today. That's what happened. But he allowed us. He allowed us to reach that technology because if we didn't, we would not have been able to beat Germany or Japan. He wasn't ready for us at that time. He wasn't ready for the Messiah at that time to come back. So that's why he allowed that technology to be created. I hope that's, I'm trying to explain this to you in a clearer way so that you understand we are living in the generation that Yeshua talked about. This is the nuclear bomb generation. This is the generation that if he did not come, no flesh would be saved alive. A generation. Uh, in Psalm chapter 90, let's turn there. Psalm chapter 90. See, people forget facts. I don't forget facts. <laughs> I'm going to always state the facts. And people need to wake up and realize that you are living in the last generation, folks. Uh, Genesis chapter 90. And I'm trying to find right here in verse 9. Uh, verse 10, rather. It says, as for the days of our life, they contain 70 years. So that's the generation of a man. And that is true. That's another prophecy because uh, over in the United States, the average... Um, Age of a man, anyways, I think it's 71 years old, something like that, you know. And then uh, for a woman, it's a little more because a woman doesn't have the strain and stress as a man has. So uh, as for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. So the Bible interpretation of a generation is 70 to 80 years, okay? It can be 70 or 80 years. That's why I add 80 years to 1945. 1945. We entered into the nuclear bomb generation. We entered into that generation as our president, Harry Truman, stated. We entered a new era, a new era of understanding nature's forces. And we also entered a dangerous era of being able to destroy all of mankind. All right? If we add 80 years to that, we have 2025. So we have until 2025, according to the Bible, unless I'm not understanding it correctly, but it states here, as for the days of our life, they contain 70 or of due strength 80 years. Okay? So that is that is the, that is the um, generation there. Um, I always wonder why we, we call that generation uh, after World War II and it started beginning in 1946, the baby boom generation. Well, baby boom, get it? Baby boom. I mean, <laughs> what what went boom in 1945, right? <laughs> So it it all makes sense when you think about it, when you put all this together, what what God is saying here, and and uh, let's go back to Matthew chapter twenty four again. 
I mean, there's other things, too. But I'm just trying to really break this down so that you understand, folks, uh, we're, we're living in a, an exceptional time today. Uh, it's not like it was prior to 1945, uh, August 6, 1945. And he states here in verse 34, and what's the context of Matthew chapter 24? In verse 3, it states what? Let's go back to verse 3. It states, uh, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives, let me remind you, is right across from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, where the Temple should be at, or is at, the Temple Mount anyway, the Mount to where the Temple should be built on, okay? Uh, and they came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? The end of the, end of the age, okay? And it's interesting that Harry Truman said we entered a new age when the, the, the atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. Uh, we entered a new age, okay? This is the age that Yeshua is talking about, the time of his coming, okay? And he states here in Matthew chapter 24, if you go down here, in verse 32, many people have misinterpreted this. This is not just talking about Israel, okay? It's, it's common sense what he's talking about here in verse 32 of Matthew 24. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know the summer is near. So he, he, he's using an analogy. You know, when, when you see uh, things growing and so forth and, and, and a branch has already become tender and puts forth, you know the summer is getting ready to come. Okay? So he's making an analogy and a comparison. So you too, when you see all these things, what things? The things that he talked about in this chapter. Okay? When you see all these things, Recognize that he is near at the door. What things? Well, he talk, he's talking about uh, when the angels gather around and when he comes back and he's he's talking about the sun will be dark and the moon will not give his light up in here. He's saying whatever the corpse is, where the vultures will gather. <laughs> it goes on. He's talking about the deception and people acting wicked and, and uh, then great tribulation. That's what he's talking about in this chapter. Famine, earthquakes. He says when you see all these things, Know that what? Know that that is at the door. What's at the door? Him coming. Him coming back. Okay, that's what he's talking about. People, you know, you, you use the concept of eisegesis, that putting your own thoughts in the Scriptures. Here, verse 32 talking about Israel. It's not really talking about Israel. It's talking about an analogy. It, when, when you see uh, a branch already becoming tender and put forth his leaves, you know that summer is near. And in verse 33, so you too, when you see all these things, what things? The things he's talking about in this chapter. It's just called understanding basic English and having basic common sense, okay? Recognize that he is near at the door, all right? And then verse 34 is the scripture I want you to really focus on here. It says, truly I say to you, this generation, what generation? The generation is going to experience all these things. The generation that if he did not come, no flesh would be saved alive. Which, what, which generation are we talking about, folks? the nuclear bomb generation. What, what other generation could it be talking about? Well, we've been able to tap into the power of the universe. Were we able to do that prior to August 6, 1945? I mean, we already tapped into it, but we used it. So I was going to say 1945 was the year that we tapped into the power of the universe. If you guys don't understand that this is the last generation, may God help you. That's all i got to say. Okay? This is the last generation We've been living in a nuclear bomb generation since August 6, 1945. 
at any time, especially today, we can all be blown to bits. And God has miraculously held back these bombs. Because not only does the United States have them, Britain has them. Israel, the little nation of Israel in the Middle East has them. Okay, they, they talk about doing the Samson option. You know what happened to Samson? He gave his life, but he killed everybody else, took everybody along with him. Okay? That's the Samson option that they will use. And they're going to be using the atomic bombs if they have to get to that point. Of course, Russia has them. China has them. India has them. Pakistan has them. Okay? So we're, we're living in various, ver- uh, not various, but very dangerous times, folks. It's time to wake up. This is not a peaceful world. And atomic bombs, unfortunately, has not been used as Harry Truman wanted to to promote peace. All it has done, it is it has delayed, has been a good deterrent. Deterrent meaning it has been able to uh, be a nice little fear tactic, basically, to uh, encourage nations not to attack us, other, other nations that have atomic bombs, because they know what's going to happen if they do an atomic bomb would be dropped on them and blow their country up. Okay, so that has been used as an effective deterrent. But it has not been used uh, as he had hoped to promote peace around the world. Okay, that it has not been used to be able to do that, unfortunately. So let's understand that we are living in the last generation, folks. You know, I spent a little time, uh, necessary time, to bring that out. And I wanted to read some other things, and I'll get to these things here in the future, but I just wanted to read one, um, I'm not going to read this whole article, but uh, it's by NPR, it's National Public Radio, and it says a national debt of $14 trillion, try $211 trillion. So you're not going to hear any politician, as far as I know, maybe Ron Paul bring this out, I haven't heard him say it yet, but... Uh, I'm just going to quote, uh, this is from Lawrence uh, Kotlikoff. Yeah, so Lawrence J. Kotlikoff, he, uh, he served as a senior economist on President Ronald Reagan's Council of Economic Advisors and is a professor. Right now, currently, he's a professor of economics at Boston University. All right? He said, if you add up all the promises that have been made for spending obligations, including defense expenditures, and you subtract all the taxes that we expect to collect, the difference is $211 trillion. Now, that is an incomprehensible, well, you can comprehend it, but it would be very difficult to, <laughs> to comprehend $211 trillion, folks. That's the, that's the fiscal gap. That's the real fiscal gap. That's our true indebtedness. Now, he states here in, in the end of the article that um, says what you have to do to eliminate this debt. Well, he says right now to eliminate the fiscal gap, Kotlikoff says the U.S. would have to tax increases and spending reductions far beyond what's being negotiated right now in Washington. He says what you have to do is either immediately and permanently raise taxes by about two-thirds, that's 66%, okay, or immediately and permanently cut every dollar of spending by 40% forever. The numbers say we have an absolutely enormous problem facing us. So that is the true nature, folks. And then as I explained to my wife and son periodically, of the 100 economies that we have worldwide, okay, of the 100 largest economies in the world, 51 are corporations and only 49 are countries. 
and the top 200 corporation sales are growing at a faster rate than overall than the overall global economy activity. And then the top 200 corporations' combined sales are bigger than the combined economies of all the countries minus the biggest 10. As I was explaining, the reason why is because corporations are are um, offshoring uh, their uh, jobs overseas to China and India, and they benefit from the cheap labor. And so they're able to make more money without spending more money, and they don't want to pay for American workers here because they're paying, pay, you know, they're going to cut into their profits. So they're being greedy, and 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 they're not being cooperative as far as uh, paying someone uh, to do a good job. You know, so that that's unfortunate. And just like, um, let me go to the scripture here, prove my point here. The rich rules over the poor. And that's in Proverbs 22, verse 7. It says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And that pretty much sums up what the problem is today in the world, folks. Um, so anyway, I'm glad that I was able to explain that we are in the last generation, folks. Uh, you might as well call this the nuclear bomb generation. And uh, we need to get ourselves together. According to the Bible, looks like we have up into 2025. Uh, it's 2011 right now. So, but it could happen sooner, though. It, it could happen a lot sooner than 2025. Okay, he said he will cut short those days. So let's remember that. All right, but I'm just saying that I don't know exactly, but I'm just going by what he said a generation would be, and the fact that this is a nuclear bomb generation uh, from 1945 has 70 years to that. That's what? That's uh, 2000, what, 15? I hope it's 2015, but it could be more. Uh, might have to add some, a few more years. Uh, 2025. Now, if he doesn't come back 2025, then I don't understand what's going on. Okay? Because I don't see, at the present state we're in right now, I don't see how we're going to last at 2025. I know it's possible. But the way we're going right now, let's... We start cutting back on our expenses worldwide. It's not just a United States problem. It's a European problem. We're not going to survive without him coming back. There's going to be war, and we're going to annihilate each other. So let's see what happens. Uh, he does state in Jeremiah chapter 18. Let's remember this. God will change his prophecies based on our behavior. Gen Genesis chapter 18, verse 7. So when I've just told you about the 80 years, if we repent, Collectively, as a as a as a as a people, as as a human race, he you know he he won't allow any of that stuff to happen within a generation. Uh, Genesis, uh, Jeremiah chapter eighteen verse seven. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom? This applies to anybody, any nation to pluck up and to pull down and destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, he says he will change or repent of the evil that he thought to do unto them. Okay. So that applies to any prophecy or anything that he stated that he would do to someone, and that even applies to the book of Revelation. If we repent, if any nation repents, if the whole world repents, then he will change what he said he was going to do. Okay? And that's right there smacking your Bible. I don't hear too many ministers preaching that. Probably don't know where it's at. So anyway... All right, let's get to the Torah readings here. I'm going to have to perhaps summarize some things. Uh, there's so many things to talk about and so few time to talk about it, unfortunately. I wanted to talk about the 20 signs 
that the world could be headed for an economic apocalypse in 2012, but I'll get to that next week. All right, the Torah readings for today, what do we have here? We have um, Deuteronomy 7. So let's turn there, Deuteronomy 7, verse 12, and let me just uh, summarize this here first, uh, courtesy of Chabad.org. It says, in the Parsha of Ekev, and yeah, let's turn there and then we'll read a little bit of it. Moses continues his closing address to the children of Israel, promising them that if they will fulfill the commandments, mitzvah of the Torah, they will prosper in the land they are about to conquer and settle in keeping with God's promise to their forefathers. Moses also rebukes them for their failings in their first generation as a people, recalling their worship of the golden calf, the rebellion of Korach, the sin of the spies, or angering of God at Teveria. Masa and the Keveret Hatava, the graves of lust. You have been rebellious against God, he says to them, since the day I knew you. And that's sad. <laughs> since the day Moses knew them, he stated that they have been rebellious. That's sad. And that's our people today. I mean, we're very rebellious when it comes to God. We don't want to obey him. And then when somebody who's a representative of God and who speaks the truth, they get angry at them. And they, they, do, they did that back then. They do it today, unfortunately. But he also speaks of God's forgiveness of their sins in the second tablets which God inscribed and gave to them following their repentance. Their 40 years in the desert, says Moses to the people, during which God sustained them with daily manna from heaven, was to teach them that man does not live on bread alone. That's the title of this Bible study. I'm going to get into that in a minute. But by the utterance of God's mouth does man live. Okay? That's how we live, folks. We don't live just by bread alone. And, and many people think that. Uh, they work, they work, they work to feed their mouths. But they don't do Bible study to feed their brains. Neither do they do study to feed their brains on a physical level either. Okay, so it's unfortunate. A lot of people are like that. But he states right here, Moses describes the land they are about to enter as flowing with milk and honey. Blessed with the seven kinds, which is wheat, barley, Grapevines, figs, pomegranates, which is very, very, I suggest that you really get that fruit. That fruit is good for your blood circulation. And it's just a real, one of the sweetest fruits that you can ever taste. Olive oil and dates. And as the place that is the focus of God's providence of his world, he commands them to destroy the idols of the land's former masses and to beware that not they become haughty and begin to believe that my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. And unfortunately, a lot of people... I've spoken to many people that have this attitude. They just think by their power, by their hand, they've done all these things, you know. And they don't understand that God can just wipe them out in a second, in less than a second. A key passage in our Parsha is the second chapter of the Shema, which I think I talked about last week, which repeats the fundamental mitzvah enumerated in the Shema's first chapter and describes the rewards of fulfilling God's commandments and the adverse results, famine and exile. Famine. He takes away the stay of bread. Since he states that man must not live by bread alone, then what does he do first? He takes away what you think you need to live alone with. The ability to support yourself. Financial problems. Etc. He's going to do all that until he gets your attention. It is also the source of the precept of prayer and includes a reference to the resurrection of the dead in the messianic age. All right? So that is the summary of uh, Deuteronomy 7, verse 12. Let's read some of it here. 
So I'm going to start in Deuteronomy 7, verse 12. Deuteronomy 7, verse 12, uh, states, uh, And because you listen to these rules and keep and do them, and this is in the English Standard Version. I have so many versions, folks. <laughs> I have to tell you which one I'm using. And because you listen to these rules and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant or agreement and the steadfast love that he swore to your fathers. Now, understand what he's saying here. Because you listen to these rules and keep and do them, you have to keep, not just listen, but you have to keep and do them. You can't just listen and don't do them. And he said if you do that, God will keep with you the agreement and the steadfast love that he swore to your father. So he'll he'll abide to his agreement if you agree to obey him. That's what he's saying. All right? Verse 13, he will love you, bless you, and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb, that means children, and the fruit of your ground, your grain and your wine and your oil, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock and the land that he swore to your fathers to give you. He's going to always make sure first that your needs are taken care of. That's what he's talking about. People always think a blessing is lots of money. He's concerned about you having clothes and food. And once he blesses you with that, then he'll add a little extra based on your obedience. Verse 14, you shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall be... Not be a male or female bearing among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness. So if you don't want to be sick and don't want to have diseases, obey God in the area of um, the, 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 uh, the food laws. That's found in Deuteronomy chapter 14 and Leviticus chapter 11. That's not just for the Jews. If you follow Yeshua, he's a Jew. He did that. He followed the, the, the rules of eating certain meats and fish. Some fish are unclean, some meat is unclean, and some insects, most of them, are unclean. Okay? So he did that. He did kosher. Okay? And you should do kosher as well. You should do kosher as well. All right? And and uh, because Yeshua was Jewish, and he says to follow me. You should walk in his footsteps. That's in First John chapter two, verse six. You should uh, walk as he walked, and do what he did. All right. And if you're not doing that, then you're not a true believer. You're a pretender. So anyway, um, verse fifteen: The Lord will take away from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you knew will be inflict on you. Will he inflict on you? And he will lay them on all who hate you. So that's the reason why we don't need to have revenge, folks. And I've had some horrible things done to me here recently. I feel sorry for the people that have uh, that messed me around because I know God will, will punish them for me. I don't have to punish them. I don't have to worry about it. I know one of the individuals, he's, there's something wrong with him mentally, so I have to have compassion for him. I don't worry about it. Okay, so this other individual, I know he's probably already gotten punished. All right, so you know, I I feel sorry for people that that uh, pry on the innocent and and, and people that um, persecute the righteous. And righteous aren't people who are perfect, but people who strive for perfection and are trying to obey the Lord with all their ability. 
don't mess with righteous folks. Don't mess with anybody, but especially righteous folks, because you will get it. You definitely will get it, and you you don't want the Lord getting it. I'm telling you, you don't. Verse 16, and you shall consume all the peoples that the Lord your God will give over to you. Your eyes shall not pity them, neither shall you serve their gods, for that would be a snare to you. If you say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So, you know, this is applies spiritually. Whenever you're having difficulties and problems, and I need to remind myself about this as well, I need to think about the, the Yahweh, the God that miraculously, just when the Egyptians were getting ready to come and get them, what did he do? He opened the Red Sea just at the time they were getting ready. To, <laughs> that's what he does a lot. He waits to the, you know, he can wait right up to that point to see if you're going to believe him. And then he'll go ahead and do what you need to, to be, be saved, or he'll solve that particular problem. Okay? And he says, Remember what the Lord your God did in Pharaoh and to all Egypt, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm, by which the Lord your God brought you out. So will the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. So he'll do that to the people who you are afraid. He's going to, do, he's going to avenge on your behalf. Me over. Moreover, the Lord your God will send hornets among them, and to those who are left and hide themselves from you are destroyed. You shall not be in dread of them, for the Lord your God is in your midst, a great and awesome God. The Lord your God will clear away these nations before you little by little. You may not make an end of them at once, that not the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will give them over to you and throw them into great confusion until they are destroyed. And he will give their kings into your hand, and you shall make them... Bear name, perish from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. The carved images of the gods you shall burn with fire. You shall not cover the silver or the gold that is on them, or take it for yourselves, that not you be ensnared by it. For it is an abomination to the Lord your God. And you shall not bring an abominable, abominable thing into your house and become devoted to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest and abhor it, for it is devoted to destruction. Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. Now, this is important. Listen to this. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way, the whole way, not the part way, the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing to know what was in your mind. You know, God wants to know what's in your mind. He's, he's not impressed by lip service. He wants to see action whether you would keep his commandments or not. And what did he do? Verse 3, And he humbled you and let you hunger. So he allowed them to hunger, and, and he fed them with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. So he... Uh, made sure that their clothes were preserved and, and their feet did not swell for 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So don't be surprised when God punishes you. That's what he's saying. Verse 6, So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. What is the fear of the Lord? Proverbs 8, verse 13, to hate evil, 
Verse 7, for the Lord your God is bringing you into the good land, a land of brooks, of waters, of fountains, and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. So if a nation, any nation, is obeying God's laws, there should not be any scarcity of resources. What do we have today in this country, the richest country in the world? We have 46 million people right now on food stamps. We have 25 million people either unemployed or underemployed, in other words, not making enough money to uh, take care of themselves. The reason why is because of sin. That's the reason why there's scarcity. So, But if people obeyed the Lord, if this nation, the majority obeyed, we would not have any scarcity. Because the land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of those whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Now, he says right here, and this is a warning, Take care that not you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and statutes which I command you today. That not when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, like many Americans today. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied, money today. And all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up. And this is a common occurrence among Americans today and among the modern tribes of Israel, uh, which, again, I have to always state this because someone may be listening to me for the first time. This may come as a shock to you, but the United States, Canada, Britain, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, the countries in Northwestern Europe, uh, not Europe, but Europe, are the descendants of the ancient ten tribes of Israel. I know you may laugh at that and think, I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I do. And to prove that to you, you need to go to www.beasinboyritam.org. That's www.beasinboyritam, as in mother.org. Yer Davidi, he is an Orthodox Jew. He lives in the old city of Jerusalem. And I know that uh, Yahweh has raised him up to teach the truth, the whole truth, about the so-called ten lost tribes of Israel and who they really are. Um, of course, all, the the nation of Israel consists of 12 tribes, and the Jews is the tribe of Judah, and they're one of those tribes. Okay. So anyway, um, back in verse 14, Then your heart be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions, and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who led you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do good in the land. In the end, beware that not you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Remember that, rich folks. It is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. That means utterly be destroyed. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the, the voice of the Lord your God. So pretty simple, folks. If you obey God, you won't perish. If you don't obey him, you will. That's pretty simple. Deuteronomy 9, verse 1. Hear, O Israel, 
or understand, O Israel, you are to cross over to the Jordan today to go and to dispossess nations greater and mightier than yourselves, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the sons of Anakim, whom you know and of whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the sons of Anak? Now, therefore, today that he who goes, I mean, know therefore today that he who goes over before you as a consuming fire is the Lord your God. So again, God tells you that he's a not just a fire, but a consuming fire. <laughs> he will destroy them and subdue them before you, so you shall dry them out and make them perish quickly as the Lord has promised you. Do not say in your heart after the Lord your God has dressed them out before you. It is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me to and to possess this land where it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you, and that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs. Verse 6, Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is not giving you this land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stubborn people, and we are today still a stubborn people. Remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day you came out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. Sad. Even at Horeb, you provoked the Lord to wrath, and the Lord was so angry with you that he was ready to destroy you. When I went up to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant that the Lord made with you, I remained on the mountain 40 days, 40 days and 40 nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water. And the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone written with the finger of God, and on them were all the words that the Lord has spoken with you on the mountain out of the midst of fire on the day of the assembly. And at the end of 40 days and 40 nights, the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant. Then the Lord said to me, Arise, go down quickly from there, for your people whom you have bought from Egypt have acted corruptly. Corruptly. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I have commanded them. They have turned aside quickly. It didn't take them too long to turn aside. That's unfortunate. And they have made themselves a metal image. And then verse 13, furthermore, the Lord said to me, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stubborn people. That's a common characteristic of our people today. Let me alone that I may destroy them and block out their name from under heaven, and I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. So I turned and came down from the mountain, and the mountain was burning with fire, and the two tablets of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had made yourselves a golden calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way that the Lord had commanded you, so I took hold of the two tablets and threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. Then I lay prostrate before the Lord as before, forty days and forty nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all the sin that you had committed and doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure that the Lord bore against you so that he was ready to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me that time also, and the Lord was so angry with Aaron that he was ready to destroy him. And I prayed for Aaron also at that time. Then I took the sinful thing, the calf that you had made, and burnt it with fire and crushed it, grinding it very small until it was fine as dust, and I threw the dust of it into the brook that ran it down from the mountain. At Taborah also, and at Masa, and at Kebra Hatava, 
you provoked the Lord to wrath. And when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and take possession of the land that I have given you, then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God and did not believe him or obey his voice. You have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you, unfortunately. So I lay prostrate before the Lord for these 40 days and 40 nights because the Lord has said he would destroy you. And I prayed to the Lord, O Lord, do not destroy your people and your heritage whom you have redeemed through your greatness, whom you have bought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not regard the stubbornness of this people or their wickedness or their sin. That not the land from which you bought us, say, because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land that he promised them. And because... He uh, hated them. He has brought them out to put them to death in the wilderness. For they are your people and your heritage, whom you bought out by your great power and by your outstretched arms. So chapter 10, verse 1. At that time the Lord said to me, Cut for yourself two tables of stone like the first, and come up to me on a mountain and make an ark of wood, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets that you broke, and you shall put them in the ark. So I made an ark of Achaia, um, Asia wood, I guess, A-C-A-C-I-A, Acacia wood, and cut two tablets of stone like the first and went up to the mountain with the two tablets in my hands. And he wrote on the tablets in the same writing as before the Ten Commandments that the Lord has spoken to you on the mountain out of the midst of fire on the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them to me. Then I turned and came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark that I had made. and 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 there they are as the Lord commanded me. The people of Israel journeyed from Beth Rabin Jakan to Mashra. There Aaron died, and there he was buried, and his son Eleazar ministered as a priest in his place. From there they journeyed to Gothgada and Gothgada to Jabatha, a land with brooks of water. At that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to minister him, and to minister means to serve him and to bless in his name to this day. Therefore, Levi has no portion of inheritance. This is talking about Torah teachers and Levitical priests. The Lord is his inheritance, as the Lord your God said to him. I myself stayed on the mountain as, as the first time, 40 days and 40 nights. And the Lord listened to me that time also. The Lord was unwilling to destroy you. And the Lord said to me, Arise, go on your journey at the head of people, so that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Now, in verse 12 of Deuteronomy chapter 10. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in your love on your fathers, set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples as you are this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. So circumcision spiritually represents getting all whatever stands in the way of a relationship with God and in learning how to obey his laws and rules and regulations. Verse 17, For the Lord your God is a God of gods and a Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who is not partial, and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. The sojourner. Love the sojourner. Therefore, for you are sojourners or aliens in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. You shall, by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God. 
who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. So that was the fulfillment of that prophecy. And uh, Deuteronomy 11, verse 1, You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. Not some ways, or sometimes, always. And consider today, since I am not speaking to your children who have not known or seen it, consider the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm, his signs and his deeds that he did in Egypt to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all his land, and what he did to the army of Egypt, to their horses and their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea flow over them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord has destroyed them to this day, and what he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place, and what he did to Dathan and Abraham, Abraham, A-B-I, Abraham, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, and how the earth opened his mouth and swallowed them up with their households, their tents, and every living thing that followed them in the midst of all Israel. For your eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord that he did. You shall therefore keep the whole commandment that I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and take possession of the land that you are going over to possess, and that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them and to their offspring, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land that you are entering to take possession of it is not like the land of Egypt, from which you have come, where you have sowed your seed and irrigated it like a garden of vegetables. But the land that you are going over to possess it is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water by the rain from heaven, a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. He's talking about the land of uh, Palestine. Verse 13. And if you will indeed obey my commands that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, he will give the rain for your land in this season, the early and latter rain, that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. And he will give grass in the fields for your livestock, and you shall eat and be full. And that's what he's really blessing us with. He, he's blessing us with, again, the ability to take care of ourselves, which... In the King James Version, it says to stay of bread. The ability to be able to support yourself. That's what he blesses you with. But when you disobey him or if if you're with someone that's disobeying him or whatever, bad things are going to happen. You know, uh, if you don't want bad things to happen, obey him fully, completely, not when you feel like it. Um, verse 16, take care that not your heart be deceived and, turn, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship him. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens. In other words, he'll prevent the stay of bread so that there will be no rain and the land will yield no fruit and you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord has given you. Verse 18, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and your soul and you shall bind them as a sign to your hand that they shall be frontless between your eyes. This is where the Jews get the righteous concept of tefillin. There's nothing wrong with tefillin, putting that on. Whatever you need to do to remind yourself to, to obey the law of God, I'm sure that uh, Yahweh or God is not against that. All right? Verse 19, you shall teach them to your children. And this is something that you may say, oh, that's kind of that's kind of um, uh, too uh, stringent, right? Or that's, 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 uh, that's overdoing it. Well, um, to argue to defend my Lord and Savior here. Verse 19, he said, You shall teach to your children talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you're walking by the way and when you lie down and when you arise. In other words, you're supposed to talk about it all throughout the day. Okay. Now, what do we talk about other than God throughout the day? Movies, what are we going to eat, 
what we're going to go, where we're going to go to party, right? Uh, what kind of music we listen to, right? Uh, what else you talk about? Your problems, right? Etc. So if you can focus on that all day, just like in Genesis chapter 6, it says every thought of mankind at that time was wicked. So if every thought can be wicked, obviously the opposite can happen. Every thought can be righteous. And he's t- telling you that we should. And the reason why we have kids like today, we have kids doing flash mobbing, going around, going into grocery stores. I, I've never in my, I'm 45 years old, I've never heard of this happening before. Have you? Have you ever heard of that? You're having all these kids, about 60, 70, 80 of them, going, going to a store just taking stuff. And just like my, um, uh, I wouldn't call him my friend, but <laughs> uh, someone that I listened to, Gerald Salente, was stating, and he's just only going by trends. He was saying that as long as this global economic chaos continues on, people worldwide, including people in this country, are going to just lose it because a lot of them don't have God in their lives, so they don't understand how to suffer. And so what do they do? They take it out on the people. They take it out on other people, and, and they're going to get violent, and they're going to. It's going to be. You're going to hear a lot more rioting in this country. Be prepared for it. I'm warning you. It's going to be. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. You're going to have to prepare to survive. Uh, get emergency food. Get get enough water. You know this this government's going to more than likely have to declare martial law. It's going to get so bad when people aren't getting their Social Security checks and. Not being able to work, they get frustrated when, especially when they don't have God in their lives. They, they they don't know how to compose themselves. They don't know how to to trust God. And so, what do they do? They trust themselves, and they and they take revenge into their own hands, and, and they and they vent their frustrations out on you and other people. And that's what's going to happen when people don't eat. They don't like that. It, you know, it, it doesn't feel good when you don't have nothing in your tummy, does it? People don't like that. It's, it's a it's a gnawing pain. It's agonizing when you don't have any food in your stomach. So, um, verse 17. It said, Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain, and the land will yield no fruit. In other words, no food. And you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord has given you. And you know, you will perish quickly when you don't have any food. Verse 18. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign in your hand, and, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And verse 19, you shall teach them to your children, talking to them when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You may think that's extreme, but you better argue with God, because this is one of his laws. He's not giving you a suggestion. He's saying you shall teach them to your children, talking to them when you are sitting in your house, and when you're walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. In other words, constantly. So if you think that's extreme, you better argue with him, not with me. I'm just telling you what he says. Verse 20, you shall write them, and he's even telling you you need to write them on your doorposts, okay, of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. And people say, oh, that's Old Testament. Well, you, you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, said these things were written down as our examples. Well, let's turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, for people who challenge me and other Torah teachers to say, hey, oh, that's Old Testament. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 1. For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, 
and all passed through the sea and were all baptized and immersed into Moses or Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food, the same spiritual food that the assembly taught the disciples in the first century, the students in the first century, the apostles, the same spiritual food. They got the same spiritual food as the Israelites did. Okay, that's what your Bible says. And all drank the same spiritual drink. Okay. For they drank from the same from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So they're telling you that the God of the Old Testament again was who? The mighty one of the Old Testament. That's what God means, evil him. Was Yeshua. Right? Verse five. Nevertheless, with most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Verse six. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be um, idol worshipers or, or idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And that's what we want to do today. That's what American society is. We want to rise up to play. We want to have fun, 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 fun. You know, and that's not what life is about. And that's what God is trying to explain to you through the prophecies and through the example of Moses and the Israelites. You know, there's time for play, but that's not what your whole life's about, okay? The play and have fun. Verse 8, we must not indulge in sexual immorality. And unfortunately, in this country, we have that bad. Uh, we, As I'm speaking now, I'm sure there's pornog- uh, pornographic movies being made uh, in Hollywood, California, uh, perhaps in Las Vegas and, 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 uh, and other parts of the country. Um, as some of them did, and what happened, though, when these these folks back then... Indulge in sexual immorality. 23,000 fell in one day. Okay, uh, We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents. So that scripture pretty much tells you that the mighty one that they were dealing with at that time was not the Father, but the Son, Yeshua, in his pre-existing form. All right. Um, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, these things happened to them as an example now, these things happened to them, verse 11, as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Okay? So what has happened in the Old Testament is is for our example for today, okay, for the ages to come. Now, if you don't understand that, then, I, you know, Lord helps you. What? You want me to read that in the Common English Version? To me, it's pretty plain, Shri, but, you know, for those who still need more common English, I'll try to do it. Let me see. In the last 11 minutes I have left here. So that's what you need to You need to study 1 Corinthians chapter 10, folks, for those who think, oh, oh Old Testament is the Old Testament. You know, study 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and you'll stop sounding ignorant when it comes to that. Ignorant means you don't know. Some things I don't know still, so don't don't get upset when I say that. Uh, no one knows everything. Said these things happened to them as an example and were written as a warning for us to whom the end of time has come. That's even a better translation. Okay, so these things happened to them. This is the common English. Uh, ver- I'm definitely gonna get this Bible by the way. It's a good Bible. These things happened to them as an example and were written as a warning for us to whom the end of time has come. What I mean is that I, I'm just looking at the online version. I want an actual, I want a book. And the book is not coming out to September. 
so that I can actually, you know, study it more. What I like about it, too, in the New Testament, every scripture that is quoted from the Old Testament, they reference that. So you can go back and see where they put uh, actually uh, quoted that. Uh, and then I also have references to the LX, L, the LXX or the, or the Septuagint Bible. And those probably you don't even know what I'm talking about there. Uh, the Septuagint Bible was the first original translation of the original Hebrew manuscript into another language, and it was translated in Greek. And Yeshua and his disciples actually used that Bible a lot in the first century. So it's a pretty good Bible to go back to to get some clarifications on things that were written in the King James Version. So anyway, so you should understand that you got to stop thinking that, hey, you know, it's different this and different that. There's no different nothing. The only difference is the generation we're living in today. They weren't living in a nuclear bomb generation. <laughs> we are living in a nuclear bomb generation. Okay, they weren't living at a time where the whole world can be wiped out. In the first century, there was just a population of 200 million people. Today we have close to 7 billion people. The big difference. Big difference. All right, so uh, Deuteronomy 11, verse 21, That your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of the Lord, swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. For if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking all his ways and holding fast to them, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than yours. Every place on which the sole of your foot threads shall be yours, your territory shall be from the wilderness to the Lebanon and from the river, the river Euphrates to the western sea. No one shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will lay the fear of you and the dread of you all on the land, on all the land that you shall thread as he promised you. So that's what God is telling us here, you know, physically and spiritually. We just trust him and do all we can. He will take care of the rest. But we got to do something. We just can't lay around. Okay, God, do everything for me. It's not going to happen that way. You got to do the best you can, and I mean the best you can. Use all the resources that you have to better yourself spiritually and physically. And God promised, and He will give you what you need, not what you want, what you need. Okay, <laughs> you'll you'll have a roof over your head. You'll have food and clothes and shelter. He doesn't promise riches, folks. Not not in this life. He says, store up treasure in heaven. He didn't tell you to store treasure on the earth. Find me that scripture where he says store, tre uh, store treasure on the earth. Okay? It's nowhere. All right? So our focus as far as riches should be storing treasure in heaven. How do you do that? You do that by giving, sharing, caring about other people. That's how you build treasure in heaven. All right? All right. Um, I wanted to read the prophetic section here, but I'm not going to be able to do that. But I wanted to read uh, in the last seven minutes I have, I have here. Uh, and I wanted to go with some other things. I have to go over it next week. Uh, Luke chapter um, 4. Let's go there because we're going to talk about this concept of living, um, not living by bread alone. Because many people don't understand that and they get themselves in trouble because of it. Uh, let's see. Look at John too, but just hold your place there. And let's see. There we go. All right, so Luke 
chapter 4. And verse 1, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. So he he understood that man is not lived by bread alone. <laughs> and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And then the devil said to them, If you are the Son of God, command this stone and become bread. And Jesus answered him. Now, he quoted this like the quote of the scripture. I quoted. And in fact, all these quotes came from the book of Deuteronomy. Okay, it is written, "Man shall not live by bread alone." And the devil took him up and showed him all. And see, the reason why he said that, uh, you know, the devil was tempting. He says, "If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread." And Jesus answered him, "It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone." Meaning that, hey, in some cases, God is going to want you to to starve to prove your allegiance to Him. And that was the context of what we read today. He did that to test him. And he was testing Yeshua here. And he knew that. That's the reason why he responded that way. In verse 5, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. And this is a significant scripture, folks. Because many people don't understand that the devil rules this whole world. Okay? And said to him, To you I will give all this authority and glory, for it has been delivered to me. The devil has all the authority and the glory of this world, folks. You heard it from him. All right? And I give it to whom I will. Now hold your place here, if I have enough time here. I want you to understand something, because most people don't understand this. They think this world is wonderful and God rules it directly, you know? Um, Let's turn to Revelation. Verse 15. If that's the case, then why in this scripture it is announced the following? Okay. Revelation 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of this world has become, has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Then, then if it has become, then obviously what the devil is saying here is true. Okay. Uh, it says, right, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Okay? Now, back to what he said here in Luke 4, verse 6. To you will I give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. All right, so I want you to understand something. God does not directly rule this world right now. It has been given over to the devil. And if you truly understand that, then you need to 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 really look at your religion seriously and and, and realize, you know, you gotta really do some soul searching here and, and, and prove to yourself whether or not you're worshiping the true God or not. As the Bible says in Revelation twelve verse nine that the whole world's been tricked by the devil or deceived. Because he has all the authority and glory of this world right now for a reason. And then Jesus responded to him correctly, again, as usual. He said, uh, you shall worship the Lord your God and him, only you shall serve. That, again, is a quote from Deuteronomy. Again, okay, so he's effectively quoting from that book to refute everything that he's saying. That's what he's doing. I'm trying to find the exact scripture here 
that he used. Um, let me see. Yeah, I think it's from Deuteronomy 6, verse uh, 13. Let's see, I'm trying to find G. Yeah, Deuteronomy 6, verse 13. That's where it's at. And then, uh, and he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning to guard you, uh, and on their hands they will bear you up, and that night you strike your foot against a stone. I know where that one's at. That's in Psalm 91. Uh, as far as the devil quoting him a scripture. <laughs> the devil knows the Bible, folks. How else can he trick you? Okay, so he's quoting from Psalm 91 there. Okay, in verse 12. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So again, uh, he's responding to him correctly as usual. And, and uh, he's rebuking him out of the book of Deuteronomy again. Okay, so uh, that's something that you you, you need to uh, understand, and uh, that you have to really get into the Bible so that you can resist the devil, so that he'll flee from you, because he won't flee from you in in either other way, no other way but that, because he hates the uh, the true words of God. And this last scripture I'm going to quote you here, John six verse. 63 says, It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Okay, so that that's the lesson that I hope uh, you have learned today, that man is, does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. And that's also Deuteronomy chapter 8. Uh, may God bless and keep you, and if God willing, if God wills it, I'll still be available next week. Uh, to give you further lessons about the Bible. Take care. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.